Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the uh, Thursday night slash Friday uh, night edition of the uh, Whitfield Report, or I should say Thursday night slash Friday morning uh, edition of the Whitfield Report. I am your host, uh, Sam Whitfield, broadcasting, as always, from NGC Studios here in South Florida, and I want to thank you so much for... uh, Tuning in tonight, wherever you are, on the uh, East Coast, West Coast, uh, in the United States, or internationally, as some of our uh, subscribers are now uh, international subscribers as well. So, uh, we're going to have a jam-packed show for you here tonight, or uh, today, depending on which... uh, you know, which part of the, the past, present, future hour you are currently in. Um, anyway, contact info as usual for those of you listening on the uh, audio podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 70 underscore NGC. You can follow me on Gab at Sam Whitfield. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash uh, Whitfield Report. The Sam Whitfield.com is my website. And of course, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or all your favorite uh, audio platforms. And you can also donate anytime during the uh, program to streamlabs.com forward slash the Whitfield Report. Um, and I will read the uh, those donations at the end of the show. Um, so folks, yesterday... Or I guess today, um, Thursday, I reached uh, 500 subscribers. And, um, you know, the first two streams I did were more or less just free-for-alls. But I really do want to, uh, you know, get back into kind of my usual thing of doing a actual talk program uh not that i ever really left the format uh the free for all streams are fun as well but this is a podcast so uh anyway uh i figured i would take uh a few or at least one of the questions that i got that i get a lot are who are my influences in podcasting so uh we're going to uh we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, um, and uh, you know we're gonna talk about how this medium has really changed and uh, evolved, and what maybe the future might hold, uh, good or bad, for this medium. Uh, so as I began to explain last night, I was a political nerd when I was. Uh, in junior high, like, high school, and, uh, because I never really bought into the political correctness BS, even, even from an early age, I was never into it, um, at all. I was pretty much raised, um, to really 
be a critical thinker um, instead of just, you know, accepting things as the way they were. I, I was also uh, raised, and it was beaten into me, not literally, but, you know, figuratively, um, that I was, you know, that even though I have a disability, that I, that I wasn't going to get cut any slack uh, in life. And so, uh, you know, I, uh, I'd like to think that that's one of the reasons why I uh, have my head on straight. Although shitty things have happened to me in my life, I, uh, I recognize that I'm not a victim. Uh, I also recognize that while I'm not a victim, I recognize that all of us are flawed. We are flawed as human beings. And the only one who can uh, redeem us is Christ. If you believe in Christianity as I do. Uh, if you don't, Obviously, you know, you, uh, it's always a good idea to believe in a, in a higher power, uh, I think. But regardless of that, one of the things that really bothered me, uh, from the beginning about Obama and about the cultural left was really the simultaneous hero worship of Obama and then uh, also this uh, the victim mentality in the trophy uh, kind of uh, mentality that of millennials. Now let me explain something about that real quick because this is one I pet peeves right because the baby boomers love to talk about how the millennials were the trophy generation, right? You, you always hear about how, oh, millennials, they're all, they're all spoiled, uh, you know, trophy generation. They don't know how to work hard. They don't have a work ethic um, at all. They're lazy. They're just so sensitive and you know, uh, they're just, you know, so obsessed with their phones and whatnot. And these are all things that, that boomers say on a regular basis. Well, guess who, uh, you know, guess who was the one who developed all that psychiatry and whatnot and came up with the, uh, you know, with the whole trophy generation and how if we don't hurt anyone's feelings everyone will be good. It was the baby boomers. This whole, uh, mentality that, uh, you know, like, one of the things that was incredibly stupid in school was, uh, you know, this, this whole idea of, uh, obviously, you don't want him to be a bully. Okay, I get that. 
But this whole idea that you can just talk to boys and, like, you know, laugh off the, the fact if they're, like, beating you up or, or something that you're supposed to, like, not respond, that never that never sat well with me, and that never sat well, sat well with my parents. I, uh, I was told that if I had to, uh, I was told, and thank God I never had to do this, but, uh, but my mother literally said at one point, uh, listen, if someone, uh, if someone starts, uh, fucking with you, and they're, uh, getting physical, don't try and talk your way out of it, uh, either punch him or, you know, since you're in a wheelchair, just run their feet over, or something, uh, that's what, so, you know, I was taught to stand up for myself, and, uh, so I, I'd like to think that I have a bit of a bat, of a backbone, obviously I'm not a guy that goes out looking for, for fights, but, um, this is all to, this all relates into the culture war, because there are a fair amount of millennials out there. Long story short, I'm not alone in having the mindset that, I mean, you know, Basically, I'm not the only millennial that isn't a pussy. There are lots of millennials out there who are sick and tired of this, uh, you know, politically correct BS and have been for a long time. So, uh, that's why I started the podcast in 2008, my first podcast, uh, the, uh, the Whitfields, uh, analysis. And, um, you know, ten, 11, 11 years later, and now we're on YouTube, and uh, it's come to this. Uh, and I'm extremely, I'm extremely, uh, you know, grateful for all of you. Uh, yeah, Johnny Arcade is, is right. If a guy gives you the look, Hit him first. No fucking way. Yeah, but I mean, Johnny. In today, in today's society, we're taught that we just need to sit down and talk with the bully because maybe the bully, or you know, let's speak in adult terms, maybe the criminal or whatever just had a bad childhood. We need to sit down and un and uh, you know, reason with them. Uh, no, not going to happen. Um, so, I mean, I remember when I started the show, that was kind of like, you know, my thing was that, you know, there are still some like regular normal millennials who didn't appreciate the, uh, just the, the trophy not even so much the trophy generation, but the, the Fifi's, uh, you know, crap out there. Not everything needed to be touchy-feely and, you know, everything. But, you know, we, we can be nice, but we can still, you know, talk like normal 
people and whatnot. Um, so in terms of uh, who influenced me in terms of media, well, uh, very early on, my earliest influence would be uh, Rush Limbaugh, and that was merely due to the fact that um, I remember hearing Rush Limbaugh on the radio, and I remember uh, I remember how just how pissed off he would always get uh, the left and liberal callers, and they were always calling him like a Nazi and basically all the buzzwords that we get called now. And I just love that, that, you know, he was trolling him by being himself. And I figured, you know, even as like a kid in eighth grade, I figured, oh shit, I want to, I want to do that. If I, if I can get paid to just talk, you know, or even, even if it's, you know, for just a little bit, if I can build an audience just from talking, well then shit, that's what I want to do with my life. So I, uh, I started a podcast, I, I recorded the, I recorded my first podcast on like an old laptop, uh, without a mic or anything, and it, it was horrible, but, uh, I just put the file out there, and like, some of my friends listened to it, and they liked it for the most part. And, um, I just, I just kept doing it. Even, even when, when I really didn't have an audience, I didn't really have, like, a main audience until I moved to, over to Blog Talk Radio in year three, I think. Then I started building an audience, uh, then I moved to another podcast network, and... Uh, got picked up by Young Conservatives Network uh, later on when I was like a junior or a senior in high school. That was when I interviewed uh, Ben Shapiro, which really started my trajectory, and the rest, as they say, is uh, history. So Rush Limbaugh was a big influence in, ter in terms of radio, but uh, then podcasting came along, and... Adam Carolla uh, is basic. Adam Carolla is the pot is the pot father. Um, he's the guy who pretty much made uh, you know the transition from talk radio into podcasting, and uh, you know, like honestly, that that was the first time I remember like hearing. Uh, you know, fuck, on, like, that was the first time I remember hearing, like, the word fuck on, like, a radio program. Like, even though it was internet, like, that was still, like, mind-blowing to me that you could say fuck, shit, and, you know, damn on, on air. It was, it was awesome. Like, I felt like I was, you know, listening to, like, some underground thing. Uh, and that was the, that, that's, that was and still is the beauty of podcasting. It's, uh, uncensored for the most part. Um, so I really started to, uh, 
basically my style is basically I'm just like an, an amalgamation of a bunch of the different hosts that I like uh, in terms of like podcasting style. So this was one of the Adam Car Carolla uh, bits that I, that I remember hearing uh, very early on from back in 2011 that I absolutely love and I still think that this is absolutely true uh, to this day still regarding the leftist uh, mentality and uh, whatnot. This was uh, this was Adam Carolla talking to Occupy Wall Street back in uh, 2011. Let's uh, let's roll the clip, shall we? I just heard today that uh, in California that uh, before before the economy fell apart, the uh, I think it was the top one percent of taxpayers paid for fifty percent of the taxes that came in here in California, and uh, that's one percent paying for fifty percent. Not not good enough. Not good enough. I I, I understand some people have more than others that's always going to be there and uh you even uh well we started off this evening talking about the auto show and about how the crazy competition just led to these crazy crazy cars and i know sometimes it goes astray but for the most part it's the best system we have and trying to get the top one percent to pay for the top bottom 55 percent or to pay in 55 percent that's not the angle to choose. The angle's worrying about what the fuck the other 50% are doing, not what the top who's already paying way more than their fair share is doing. I, there's something that's come up in this country that didn't used to exist, which is envy. And it's, it's a big issue. And it, it was understood back in the day, and, and we... We are empowering, we're now dealing with the first wave of participation trophy. Uh, my, my own fecal matter doesn't stink. Now, what I want to point out here real quick before we continue on, this clip that I have is from an Adam Carolla podcast from back in 2011. So, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, dated now, but really nothing with the far left and their mentality and some of these, uh, you know, just internet celebrities in, in general, um, I, you know, you know, you all know who I'm, who I'm talking about. Um, everything with these internet celebrities and the, you know, the Antifa types and the Occupy Wall Street, nothing has changed at all with their mentality since this, uh, you know, clip came out a few years ago. Nothing. 2011, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, uh, continue on. Howard, I feel so fucking good about myself. Um... Everybody's a winner. There's no losers. We are dealing with the first wave of those fucking assholes. 
That's who we're dealing with now. Because this has been going on for about 25 years, and we're just starting to get maybe 20 years. Mm-hmm. And those kids were eight or nine years old. And we're getting the Is first. Is that the millennials? I think that's the name for I, these. I titles. call them the ass douches. That's the, that colloquially, they're known as the ass douches. No, I saw that on, on, on the news. Oh, okay. That's, that's I stand they, corrected. Yeah, Brian Williams called them the ass douches. <laughs> right. Yeah. Brian White? Hannah Guy. Hannah Guy. So what, what we have, I haven't really broken this down, but I'm going to try now. We created a bunch of fucking self-entitled monsters. Mm-hmm. And this has become the pursuit of my life, where people are so far out of it and what they expect and what they think realistic is and what the the set of rules that pertains to them versus the other guys, because that's what the bottom line is. I want my most valuable player trophy. Well, you're the slowest, fattest guy on the team. Why should he get one and I don't get one? Because he busts his ass and he runs a 4-4-40. That's why he gets one. Well, this is bullshit. And then everyone gets involved, and then everyone gives everyone a participation trophy, and then everyone feels good about themselves, but it's not based on anything. You should feel good about yourself because of your accomplishments, not because somebody yelled at you to feel good about yourself and you got a fucking fake piece of plastic that was sprayed gold and had your name on a plaque on the bottom of it. And when these folks become adults and enter the workforce, and we, they've done stories about this, how you can't treat them, you know, the boss can't... Or become... Uh... You know, comedians with 147 IQs, ladies and gentlemen. You know, that's another aspect of this, but, you know, continue on. Hey, let's go. Let's get back to work now. Oh, oh, you raised your voice to me. You better watch your tone, buddy. My dad's a lawyer. I'll sue your ass. I'll take this company. Self-entitled pricks who think the world owes them a living. And now we're getting the first wave of these douchebags. And now they grew up, and it's fine if you grow up in this little snow globe of a life where everything is awesome and everyone gets participation trophy and there's no losers. Well, when you get shaken up. And everything's awesome. But then you get out into the real world and you realize, I'm a fucking loser. You're not doing that well. You're not making that much money. There's no more participation trophies. This is the fucking L.A. Auto Show. You don't get to sit around and go, hey, here's my piece of shit I worked on. Everyone, why aren't you guys buying it? And then, instead of finding a fucking mirror and finding the reason why no one's buying your car, you just want to run around and yell at everyone else who's selling cars. And now you want to take shit and throw it at the cars because you want to fuck their cars up. Because that's what's going on. It's like, instead of looking in the mirror and go, why the fuck am I not doing better? You just find some guy has got more shit than you and go, hey man, what do you need all that shit for? It's the same version of, hey man, what do you need an MVP trophy for? Because I bust my ass. That's why. Or maybe I'm just genetically better than you. Either way, buddy, I got the trophy. So shut the fuck up and get the fuck back to work, or better yet, on the bench where you belong. This is what's going on. So they're, they're feeling shame. They've been shamed by life because they haven't been prepared for life. They've been told they've been had so much smoke blown up their fucking collective asses by the time they get out in the real world and they re- realize the real world doesn't give a fuck where you're from or what your mommy said you were or how pretty you are or what you do. They don't give a fuck what anyone oh. all those lies that were told you Oh shit, this is this is good. This is really good. But for uh you know 
I mean, this is just really good, but not for the reasons I initially remember it being good. But yeah, this little rant here, and it's not over, but I'm, obviously I've got to do some commentary, you know, fair use and whatnot. Uh, this was one of the, uh, moments, this was one of those moments in podcast history where after Corolla did that rant, I literally went, fuck it, I'm going uncensored on my show because up to this point, I had just been doing like the standard FCC keep it clean type thing, uh, and, um, you know, I mean, I was having fun, but once I realized I could go uncensored on the internet and still, like, you know, do my own thing with conservative and libertarian commentary, oh boy, I, I, uh, I had way more fun once I discovered I could do that, so. Uh, anyway your parents about how special you are and how no one was created like you and all this and how you have a 147 iq advertised with nike and all this like it's just one you and you take it all and it's your world and all that reebok shit doesn't mean shit when you get to the real world and you're just looked at as peon number 27 who's putting in an application and guess what i don't like your attitude douche fuck douche ass douche ass douche get your fucking feet off my desk and hit the bricks. I'm not hiring you. Then, now, your plan is to come back and throw a brick at my window. That's your plan. This is what's going on. It's this envy and shame, and there's going to be a lot more of it. Because it used to be, back in the day, father would be walking his son down the sidewalk, and you'd see a guy go by in a Rolls Royce, and the father would say, there goes Mr. Jenkins. Look up to him. That guy works hard. That guy built a company. That guy built an empire. Now look at him. He's got his Rolls Royce. He's driving up the hill. But what do we do now? Now it's like, oh, look at him. He look at him. Does he so need that great. car? Yeah. Why does he need that car? I'm driving a fucking Chevette. Why does he get to drive that fucking car? You know, let's go up there and throw a rock at it. That ain't going to help you get out of the Chevette, ass douche. That's right. Get the douche fuck to work. Douche. And by the way, parents, society, we are creating a group of self-entitled monsters. Well, Knock it off. Right. And my, I'm wondering, all the parents that created this culture of ass douchery, were they, like, are they the ones who are feeling like, well, I was never uh, told I was special enough? Like, are they overcompensating for their childhood? Because now there's been, like, sort of a few generations that are aware of Dr. Spock and aware that kids have special emotional needs and et cetera. We started you know we have these weird swings in raising kids and they're not very good i mean i grew up in the sort of 70s just free to be me you and me hey man if he doesn't want to learn to read he doesn't have right to, to learn to read yeah just just run wild you know free range do your own thing man that whole hippie do your own thing yeah. never fucking panned out mm -mm. and the super self-esteem building and just all this bullshit where we have to knock down a Christmas celebration, call it a holiday celebration, so we don't offend the one kid whose parents are litigious or whatever. We fucked our society up royally. We've basically taken that one kid and empowered him, and we've got to stop, because that's what all this is. It used to be that you looked... I'm not saying you 
took random rich guys and worshipped at their altar, but you took guys who built something and you said, there's a guy who's accomplished something, not, well, why isn't he paying his fair share? I mean, when did that ever fucking come about? Mm-hmm. That guy paid in millions of dollars last year. You paid in shit and you're pissed at him. Obviously, it doesn't make sense. Obviously, it's not a rational thought. It's shame driven. And you want to extrapolate this. This is essentially what the terrorists do with us. They see us over here in our hot tubs, driving our big cars around, having our parties, l- turning on. Um, Dude, big cars with hot tubs. Yeah, limos. stretch limos yeah. with hot tubs. Our chicks looking hot, fake boobies Splashing and bikinis all and all that. And they're like, fuck it, Allah's going to take care of these guys. And then Allah doesn't take care of shit. And then they come down and blow our buildings up. It's this weird. It, it, it's not. We think it's about religion or we think it's about, you know, a, a cultures. It's, it's one culture can't live next to another culture that's thriving yeah. without getting pissed off envious, resentful, you then get shamed. And when you get shamed, there's two things you can do with shame. You can be shamed and go, I better get my shit together. Or you can be shamed and go, I'm going to tear that guy's shit down. And that's where we're at now. Mm -hmm. When you feel that shame, get your shit together. Leave my shit alone. Yeah, it's like global sibling rivalry. Thank you. That's what it is. It's old. It's as old as the Bible. Okay, so that rant was over. Yeah, and I'm reading the uh, some of the comments that people are, are uh, you know, making. And, and look, I'm not... Uh, okay, I'm not saying that this is directly about, you know... I'm not saying that this is about the, the seven-foot-tall guy um, who runs a, who runs in and in it. And no, 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 Cole, because this was way before he was even on the radar. But that rant, and let me let me let me tell you something uh, about the about millennials too. So I mean, you know, obviously I was never going to be an athlete in high school. Uh, I just obviously. Um, I was never going to be famous for being an athlete. I was an okay student. Uh, I mean, I was a good student, but nah, not a, I wasn't a a Rhodes Scholar either. But like I said, at an early age, I, I got into, I got into podcasting really before anyone really knew what podcasting was. And so I remember hearing, I remember hearing between this and, uh, you know, listening to Rush Limbaugh for the past few years, I definitely knew I wanted to get into podcasting. And so, you know, when I was in high school, that was real when I started, started a podcasting setup. And, uh, you know, look, I just started attracting millennials who were kind of like, yeah, we're sick and tired of this PC, uh, you know, it wasn't so much the trophy generation shit that pissed my friends and I off. It was more of the fact that, like, no one, well, I wouldn't say no one, but that you couldn't make, like, jokes or even say anything edgy just, like, around your friends without some... 
peon in the background uh, being like really pissed off and uh, nah nah one nah one step nah one step too far I'm I my my mathematics brain is shit I'm more of a I'm more of a creative person I, I am a I am a good writer somewhat but uh you know using my my voice I'm a I'm a I am I am really a radio guy at the end of the day uh well now I'm a now I'm a YouTube guy um you know as well but same thing um so fast forward a few months later uh so Adam Carolla, in terms of a podcast, first was really the first podcast I subscribed to. Uh, now I've done a show about Andrew Breitbart. I did like a three-hour show about Breitbart's influence on me, uh, like a few months ago. But what I didn't play back then was the first time I heard uh, Andrew Breitbart. Um, I first heard Breitbart on the Adam Carolla podcast, uh, actually, as well. And it was a long podcast, so I'm not going to play the, the whole thing, but this segment in particular uh, still stands out to me the other day because, again, nothing with the far, far uh, left with any of those ash douches have really changed at all. Um, the left is still the left, and they're getting increasingly worse. Uh, especially now with all this YouTube censorship and Carlos Maza and all that crap. But, uh, this was the first time I had heard, uh, Andrew Breitbart, uh, speak ever on the Adam Carolla show. So, uh... Again, sorry for the uh, sorry for the uh, poor video quality. This was from like back in 2011 and whatnot, when video codecs weren't great yet. But uh, anyway, clip number two. Let's roll. Um, yeah. But here's here's the, the question because I you know I wonder about this as uh, someone who's uh, labeled a right winger and a bigot, a horrible Hollywood uh, dad. You? Uh, yeah, okay. I heard what you were talking about in the last segment. That that I get a lot of that. I get a lot of I, I get a lot of that just because I have strong opinions on. on well, things but so, that, sometimes you do it as satirically. I think that would. Well, the, the, the thing is, is they run. Uh, here's here's a couple things. You could say, I'm for gay marriage, I'm for the legalization of marijuana, I'm for uh, a woman's right to choose, and uh, I want us to pull out of Afghanistan. And then you could go, uh, but I don't think taxes should be raised. And they'd go, fucking righty. Yeah. You're such a right winger. You and Chuck Heston should go polish your musket somewhere. And you're like, am I not allowed to have one opinion? Yeah. One fucking opinion that differs from your super lefty agenda. I have one opinion, less government. And then maybe we share eight out of ten opinions. But I have one opinion about beefing up the border. And all of a sudden, I'm, me and Ronald Reagan 
are just uh, going on a hayride somewhere to hell. And it's like, wh- why am I not allowed to have one opinion that differs from you? And then what? Why, if I had eight opinions that were on covered you, but two that differed from you, then how can you call me a member of this group when I have more in common with the group that you're associated with? Here's what I'll tell you about this. I, I really am not that political. I don't even care what my opinion is on gay marriage or on, on abortion. I care about ending the, what, the, the tyranny that you see from the hard left. I really don't like the hard left. I don't mind my liberal Democrat neighbors, you know, who are JFK liberals. I hate the tyranny of... Which, by the way, all, people have also asked me what my opinions on, like, uh, all that is. I've talked about, like, all that before, but since I have a new audience, I'll get to that stuff later on in the, uh, in the program. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that for you guys. Uh, no, I'm, no, Trollita, I'm not, I'm not mad. Uh, oh, you were talking to, to Fat Keck Boy. No, I'm not mad at all. I'm, I'm happy that, ev- that everyone is here, and I'm, I'm happy that I made 500 subs this week. It was, it was a good week. I'm happy. hard left. Uh, wherever you see the left in charge, Hugo Chavez is Venezuela. By the way, uh, one step too far, uh, I, I will get you my email. So, check your uh, check your Twitter DMs. In Cuba, there isn't a First Amendment. There isn't free speech. And so think about this. During the, the anti-war campaign against George Bush, you heard dissent is patriotic. Dissent is patriotic. Dissent is patriotic. And then Joe Lieberman, who two years before that, three years before that, was the standard bearer of the Democratic Party, running as vice president. He disagrees on one thing. He says, no, I support George Bush on the war on terror. And the hard left extricated him and annihilated him and took away his reputation with the Democratic Party for disagreeing on one thing. I hate that. Well... Let me ask this. I I have this theory, which is I don't think that the hard left hates Republicans. I think they just hate this country. I I really do think they hate this country. And they talk. They they never say that. They do that thing where they go, we support the troops. We love the troops. We don't support the cause. And by the way, saying... Saying that, like saying it's like saying I love the players, but I hate the team. Right. Or wish they'd lose the game, but I love the players. Like, which is it? If you support the troops or you love the troops, then don't give me that bullshit. We get to have it both ways. We get to be to be the patriot, love the troops, but you you don't like the cause. But whenever you really get into it with these people, whether it be the you know whether you know I remember when Reagan called uh, the Soviet Union an evil empire, and a lot of people on the left got their panties in a bunch. Hey, Hugo Chavez, any of these people, uh, Castro, what, what, are you big fans of these people, really? Like, uh, are you really big fans of these super oppressive dictators? Are you really big fans of what goes on in the Middle East and how they treat their women over there? I thought you were all about humanitarian mm. rights. I thought that I thought the whole deal was you're about the individual and their rights. And all these fucking countries that you semi-glorify and protect, they're horrible, and they're horrible to their people. You should be the tip of the spear when it comes 
to getting those guys out of office or doing whatever we need to do over there. So is it that you really love them or is it more that you hate us? And I suspect it's a self-loathing thing. I know it is from a psychodynamic standpoint. They have no, it's like all the people that were here that were, you know, communists or socialists back in the day, they didn't know for one goddamn hot second what it was like over there. And they wouldn't have lasted 10 seconds in a communist regime. There's no sane person or honest person that says, oh, no, I think communism is a better lifestyle and a better way of governing people. No, they hate this. It's not that they like that. They hate this, but they won't admit that they hate this. Yeah, they're just not intellectually honest about it. I, when right. I meet, when they're I angry meet, at the man. I actually like leftists who will admit that they're Marxist-Leninists and they exist and they say, I want to take this country down. At least they're honest about it. Uh, okay, so someone in the chat is asking if I'm on a bit shoot. Um, so, for a funny thing about bit shoot, uh, I was on uh, bit shoot. I did have a I did have a channel over there. Uh, honestly, uh, I I uh, I. I closed down my my uh, BitChute channel, uh, or I didn't close it down. I made it private because uh, honestly, I don't know how to really work. I'm still getting used to the settings over there on BitChute, and uh, when I was when I was uh, making critiques of uh, Owen and uh, hosting John Arcade videos uh, I I just I kept getting like massive emails email notifications from uh, BitChute saying that like you know so and so bear uh, you know commented and then I, I would read the comments and it was just like all garbage so um you know I'm not and besides BitChute does not upload like my full shows either They'll up, bitch. It will uh, take my shorter videos, but they'll they won't uh, take my longer podcasts like this one that are over like an hour. So um, so anyway, that's that's the question to answer your question on bitch. I I will uh I will reopen. I will I will reopen that channel if, if we can get some BitChute subscribers, uh, and I'm not sure about going on DLive yet. I'm looking I'm looking into that. So uh, well, I will get to the Trump 2020 question. Uh, maybe not tonight, but certainly on Saturday I'll I'll get to it. Well, I'm I might get to it tonight. I don't know, but uh. We still have a couple of segments to talk. We still have a couple of things to talk about tonight. I can be friends with them. I can, you know, have beers with them. What I don't like is how they get, uh, you know, the, the PR that they're peaceful. You know, and they're they're saying, hey, let's try and find common ground with Hugo Chavez and Ahmadinejad, and let's meet together. Think about how they treat Sarah Palin. Think about how they treat conservatives. They're hardly peaceful people when it comes to dealing with people in the United States. Think about how they treated 
the Mormon church. Think about how they treated that cashier at Al Coyote who gave $100 to, to Prop 8, you know, right. completely demonized that person. I would say to them, if you're consistent, let's go to the first AME church in South Central Los Angeles and let's start protesting gay marriage. Will you do that? Right. They won't do that. They, sure. they go after the easiest targets in the world. They're just a bunch of bullies. But I'll, I'll say this. I will say this for the Hollywood left. They're much better at capitalism than the conservative right. Like the, the magazines that you associate with the conservative movement, they're so good at propounding the virtues of capitalism and, and the American way that there is no group of people who are better at capitalism and expanding into greater markets uh, than the Hollywood left. They just, they were like, hey, let's make a, let's get the top guy in Bulgaria, the top entertainment in Bulgaria, put him in Die Hard 7, and then we'll market it in Bulgaria. We don't even know that that happened, right. you know, uh, that, that he was in the movie. But they ended up selling out seats in Bulgaria because he's in it. So I think a lot of it comes from that obvious liberal guilt. People who came from absolutely no money, got off the bus, made it big, and they feel so unbelievably guilty about it that they run around with their noblesse oblige liberalism. The part I, how do they reconcile? And, and by the way, speaking of the strike, like, <clears throat> first off, Riders Union, fuck you. Screen Actors Guild, fuck you. I don't want to be in any of your shitty unions. I would love to be out of your piece of shit, extortionist racket of a fucking union you guys have. And they're still claiming it was a victory. How they fuck? Hey, we I, we I, totally I, changed the Hollywood I, system. I, I, love people, as much. I, I love the yeah. crazy blind allegiance that every asshole in Hollywood has towards SAG and AFTRA. Fuck you guys. To fight fucking Shanghai, you. They take your first fucking paycheck and they shove you into this union. And then all these asswipes go, oh, yeah? Well, if you weren't in that union, well, uh, then how are you going to get your free dental care? I'd fucking pay for a dental plan that would save me a shitload of money over the money I have to fucking pay into these fucking extortionists who don't do shit for me. And then they go, oh, what about the commercials? When you do a commercial? When we do a commercial, my agent gets in, James Baby Child Dixon. And they haggle over how much to get me to hold up a Taco Bell taco. That's it. I don't need this fucking union bullshit. And I don't understand why the left is so fucking in love with these extortionists. And by the way, you don't have a choice. You want to work in Hollywood? You get sucked into this fucking blood-sucking unions. And then they have votes and all this kind of shit. We had Ed Asner on our show the other day. I think He's he was president of one of the unions. He uh, he started he started talking about nine eleven and this bullshit conspiracy theory and about how you know we took the buildings down and stuff and then at a certain point he started talking about how we could have liberated Auschwitz two two years earlier but we chose not to and this and that and the other and as I was driving home I just realized that old fuck hates this country yeah. it's not that he loves Auschwitz or the Jews it's not that he fucking thinks that there's something in the buildings it's more he hates this. Country. I think he's still That's, bitter. He's still bitter. Ted Knight, I think, came out better. I kind of just want to rip his ample back hair out. Yes, <laughs> you know, one, but, one, but one how tough to, at a time. How do, anyway, though, that was my uh, introduction to Breitbart. Like I said, I've done a whole show on uh, Bright. I've done a, a whole show on Breitbart. Uh, great man, miss him a lot. But yeah, this, uh, I mean, this, this, okay, so let me, let me address one of the, uh,
questions in the chat. Will Trump win in 2020? Um, I actually talked about this a bit on my other podcast, uh, the American Watchmen Roundtable, last week. So if you haven't watched that yet, feel free to go over and uh, watch that after this broadcast. I've still got to put that one on uh, iTunes too, but uh, I will later on. Uh, anywho, will Trump win in 2020? Uh, let me be honest. Uh, I don't, I honestly don't know at this point. Um, I will say this, I... I'm glad he's I'm glad that he's president because there was no alternative. Uh I was one of those guys during the uh 2016 election where I would have voted for Jeb Bush and I would have been happy about it if it had been Jeb versus Hillary. Um I was voting for not. I took the I took the Dennis Miller uh, route, also an influence of mine, uh, which was I'm voting for not Hillary. But what I loved about Trump was the fact that he uh, Trump was just you know politically incorrect. He didn't give a fuck. Uh, on the campaign trail. I mean, I, I know this is, you know, going to be the stereotypical Trump talking points, but honestly, his presence and just the fact that it triggered the left as much as it did and got the pendulum starting to swing uh, back to the right a little more was uh, awesome for the time. However, uh, the thing that I think really is going to hurt Trump in 2020 uh, is... Well, the fact that we don't have the wall yet, which, listen... When it comes to the wall, I want the wall, but the wall is now my second priority uh, in terms of stuff to do. My, my first priority now, which I'm going to do a segment on, my first priority is saving the First Amendment because the First Amendment is uh, under, under attack. Because, let's face it, the government really isn't the one that controls, you know, free speech anymore or any of that. It's run by big multinational corporations. Whether you like or not, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to free speech, we are living in Blade Runner uh, times. 
the Ty the Tyrell Corporation, uh, you know, the Tyrell Corporation in air quotes basically runs everything in terms of free speech, and they're also starting to uh, develop robots slash replicants. So we might not have them exactly yet, but. Ridley Scott was not that far... He wasn't that far off. Uh, but... Will Trump win in, in 2020? Uh, if it's... Him versus... I mean, I don't see... It's going to have to be him. Uh, because, like, if... If Elizabeth Warren is running or, you know, or any of these other crazy whack jobs is running, I'm voting for Trump 100% again. Uh, will he win? I don't know. Uh, I think that the left has gotten way smarter about not underestimating us. I also think that there are, that there are idiots out there who, uh, I don't really want to say LARP were on our side, but more like they LARPed on our side and made us look bad. Which, in all honesty, that's one of the reasons why why I went so hard on Owen for the last year. I mean, obviously the fact that Owen, you know, uh, Owen got in bed with, uh, you know, Eric Nimmer as a business partner and that whole thing, that was a mess. And the Johnny Ar the Johnny Arcade frame was bad as well. So those two things obviously were why I dislike Owen. But on top of all that, Owen was the guy uh, parading around the free speech martyr symbol. And yet, if you look at Owen... Owen is now the stereotype of what every, you know, liberal likes likes to, uh, you know, paint conservatives as. You know, just crazy madmen who scream about the moon and who blame Jews for uh, everything and who, uh, you know, who just rant crazy, mumbling nonsense. I don't know if Owen, if Owen is controlled opposition. The thought has crossed my mind a few times. Uh, but then on the other hand, I oftentimes think that Owen isn't controlled opposition, but he's just so kind of uh, dumb that he uh, his rhetoric is working to make the rest of us who actually have been in this fight for a long time look bad. Um, it, you know, it could be either one of those. Same with, same with the alt right. Uh, same with the alt right. Now, look in terms of my views. This is kind of another segue here. Um, I would say that I'm a conservative libertarian. Uh, a conservatarian. I'm not like. 
I think that hardcore libertarians are just like a little too far out there in terms of just like pure anarchy. Uh, but basically, like, I think if you want to grow like a pot plant in your backyard, uh, I think you should be able to to do that. Uh, if you want, if if you're a guy and you want to get married to another guy. I might not, like, be thrilled about it personally, like, in my own life, but, yeah, you do you. Uh, if you want to own, if you want to own guns, and you want to, like, even own, like, an AK-47 and you're, you know, properly, like, licensed and you're not an idiot and whatnot, go, go for it. Um, as long as you're, you know... The, the rules I I have are pretty hard and fast. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't be a kitty diddler. Uh, if you have kids, just take care of them and be a responsible parent. Uh, try and be a good member of, of your society. But, uh, you know, just keep things copacetic, pretty much. Um, you know, other than that, just you be you. So I, I'm, I'm definitely more of a guy who. It's it's interesting. I'm more into like the culture war stuff, and you know, like I'm I'm more of a guy who would love to talk about like movies and music and like other non-political stuff for three hours and have like a conversation with people about that um politics is boring to me but politics is also downstream from culture so when i talk about it, i try and be entertaining at least um I, I like to try and make boring stuff interesting and I mean that's one of the reasons why I love why I love the uh, why I love the DZ is even though it's a small group of us we can just all talk about random stuff and uh, talk about random topics and I mean same with the savages community and the RO ROTC community as well. Um, so that is all awesome. So, and you know, like Trolita and I a few months ago got onto a whole thing about uh, David, uh, yeah, David, Lin David Lynch film. I almost blanked on that. By the way, I, I still can't get into. Twin Peaks. That show is still true, too uh, trippy for me. And I've I've watched the X Files, but there's something about Twin Twin Peaks. Anyway, we'll get on to that in a in maybe a a future segment. Also, uh, kind of going off on a quick Owen tangent, but not really. I was listening to the Van Halen album, 5150, today, which is the, which is the first Van, well, 
technically it's the first Van Hagar album, if you want to get serious about it. But up until the Paul Owen thing, you know, came about, I did not know what what 5150 actually meant. But now that I know what it went, now that I know what it means, uh, Owen, congratulations. You are going to receive a copy of Van Hagar's 5150, uh... Buddy, I hope I hope you still have like a CD player or something to play it in. Maybe I should send it to him on cassette or something. Uh, well, but then I I also don't want him having my address if I am if I Amazon it to him. So, uh, anyway, I I just I just thought that was funny that I finally that I finally got what that uh, what the title of that album actually means I just thought it was a random string of numbers um, anywho so podcasting is still cool and fun and for the most part copacetic that is audio podcasts are um, now, I hate to break it to you, ladies and gentlemen, but if the, uh, if the YouTube Vox Adpocalypse keeps going, uh, on, you know, on everyone's channels, and if they start taking out even the smaller channels, like mine, guess what? I know that you guys like watching me and, like, looking at my face and watching me react to videos. But I have no problem going back to, like, internet radio, even on blog talk radio, where the audio quality is horrible. I will go back there. I will go back to radio if, uh, if I can't find a good streaming alternative. And people are, are asking me, well, have you heard about DLive yet? Listen, the thing with DLive is, uh, I like the idea of DLive, but DLive hasn't been... I guess out long enough to uh, to really, you know, I don't know that it's going to be the YouTube like contender that everyone thinks it's going to be. Uh, I know the fact that PewDiePie there is like helping it get like some major momentum and whatnot, but that doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. So, oh, I also know that DLive has stickers, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. I want to tell Royce and Mersh that they need to turn off the stickers because, damn, you guys, you guys can get... You guys have, like, high OCD when it comes to stickers on that stream. I'll, I'll, I'll be on there, and, like, I'll be trying to watch... But then I'll see, like, 20 stickers non-stop. And I'm just, like, trying to read the chat for, like, interesting stuff. But, um, you know, then I just see stickers non-stop. Uh, so... Yes, yes, yeah, Savage, yes, yeah, Savage Tiger. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. 
on uh, on the stickers. So, and now it's time for uh, our next segment of the show. Now that I've pretty much gone onto uh, everything on my list, it's time for me to break down the latest video from everyone's favorite beanie-wearing journalist, Tim Pool, who had a very uh, good video about the coming Vox adpocalypse and uh, kind of the whole state of YouTube. At least I, I thought it was pretty good, so I want to play this and break it down. It's about 20 minutes. I'm not sure if I'm going to play the whole thing, but... Um, I do want to break it down a little bit. So, uh, yeah. Okay, now my now my OCD is um, kicking in a little bit because um, because you guys are talking it like a movie, and I have no idea which one you're talking about. So, oh oh, Godzilla. I've seen the old one. I've seen the real old one. Haven't seen the new one yet. But, uh, anyway. So, beanie wearing journalist Tim Pool had a really good take on the whole, uh, you know, Vox adpocalypse thing a few days ago. And so, I wanted to go ahead and, uh, play part of it for you guys. So this is Tim Pool on the uh, on the Vox Adpocalypse. Uh, and I'm gonna have to go into my files and look for it. Lovely. Okay. Okay. So this is Tim Pool on how basically big journalists want the uh box adpocalypse. And uh he's not he's not wrong here for the most part. I do have a few critiques, so I will pause those as usual to make my critiques, but here's Tim Pool's latest take on the whole Vox uh adpocalypse here on YouTube. Uh cut number one, go. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been embroiled in a media battle. The Vox adpocalypse hit historical channels, independent creators, journalists, all being purged from the YouTube partner program. This is, I wouldn't call it a concerted effort necessarily or a conspiracy or anything like that. I don't believe there's a group of people at media twirling their mustaches saying, let's all do this. But it is the dominoes falling over exactly as you could predict. The media is dying. And I've said this over and over again. As they drown, they become violent and thrash about and grasp for whatever they can. People in media so know far, so good. they can target independent creators individually because we're weak as individuals. It's easy to take down YouTube when you point to one guy like Steven Crowder. In the past couple of days, we saw a smear on the front page of the New York Times. You may be a regular YouTuber, like in, in terms of entertainment content, wondering why would I watch? Why do I care what you say, Tim? Let me tell you. Vox Adpocalypse hit people who were just journalists. The New York Times. Were 
say what you will about Tim Pool, but he is very good at like I won't I wouldn't even say red pilling because that's not a good term, but I guess throwing cold water on normies and people who are asleep and uh at least getting them interested in learning about some of this stuff. So, uh, you know, as much as people like to give Tim Pool crap about the beanie and whatnot, which, yeah, that's all very funny, and I like to tease him about that, too. At least he's being a serious, like, this is, this is a video that I could send to, like, my, to, like, one of my liberal friends who's not, like, a hardcore leftist, and they would probably actually we would probably be able to start, like, a meaningful conversation about all this. So, that's why I like Tim Pool. Front page smear against all of YouTube. Make no mistake, it will come for you, and I've got evidence stacked up to show you exactly <coughs> how and why. Steven Crowder tweeted this. Vox is already pushing the New York Times hit piece that falsely smeared YouTubers like Philip DeFranco, Joe Rogan, and Jordan Peterson as alt-right. Massive media companies continue their campaign to smear and silence independent creators. We've got a couple things happening here. The first, these media companies get salaries. They make ad revenue. YouTube is taking away a lot of the ad revenue from these companies. Viewership is switching to mobile and to digital. Old school advertisements don't work anymore, and the media industry is collapsing layoff after layoff over and over again. Don't take my word for it. HBO just canceled Vice News tonight. It is not going to survive, and I assure you, they're going to turn around and come for all of us. Don't take my word for it. Let me show, actually, this is my word, but let me show you some evidence. I tweeted this. Don't you see how the game is played yet? Media today is not seeking to inform. They are seeking to destroy for political ends. Take a look at this Google search I pulled up. I Google searched natural news. I don't know too much about natural news. From what I understand, they're a bit off their rocker. Not a big fan. That's not the point. The point is, two days ago, the Daily Beast wrote how natural news became a conspiracy hub. And then yesterday, Facebook removes conspiracy site natural news. Like clockwork. How about this story? Chase withdrew services to conservative business one day after Slate Reporter's query. Night, was Slate uh, Reporter Night Rex 07. Or was she seeking to destroy a political rival? I'm highlighting these, these two things because there's an overlap. I tweeted, I warned the media would become increasingly unhinged as they struggle and collapse. Many have warned that with 2020 coming up, they will do everything they can to stop opposition rhetoric. And of course... Someone in the chat is asking if uh, they think Tim Pool... Uh, you know, fucks that beanie. No, honestly, I think that Tim Pool goes to, like, hipster bars. Wait, do hipsters even go to bars, or do they just all congregate in coffee shops still? I, I know that all the... I know that the hipsters in Denver don't ever drink unless it's, like, at a craft brewery bar. I, I think that Tim Pool goes to, like, craft brewery like bars and or no i guess they're called micro pubs or whatever and uh micro breweries or to coffee shops either one and he always picks up like the other hipster chicks that are wearing like 
that are also wearing beanies and probably like have uh, glasses. Okay, have you got have any? Has anyone watched uh, uh, BoJack Horseman? And there's that there's that uh, Asian chick who's like a hipster, you know, journalist, BuzzFeed type thing. Like, I imagine that I imagine that Tim Pool goes for that type of hipster chick. And like among hipsters, Tim Pool is like. Tim Pool is like a is like a ten, in the hipster like all the all of the hipster chicks probably want to get with Tim Pool. His beanie his beanie just gives him like, you know, it just like elevates his uh, dating power in the hipster community. So, uh, I so yeah that that's. That's what I imagine that Tim Pool gets up to, since people in the chat are asking. So. Tim is, Tim is gay? Wait, are, are you serious? Is Tim Pool really gay? The story. Facebook suspends natural news. Founder calls for President Trump to use military tech a military against tech giants. Well, I don't know who this guy is or what his deal is, but I can say the smears are coming. They're going to get worse. They will take anything you say out of context. They will pull up your archives from years ago to prove something is wrong with you. It's one of the biggest dangers of YouTube is that YouTube bends over backwards to these people. In the original, in, in, the, in the New York Times hit piece, we noticed something really interesting. They claimed that it was radicalizing someone to the right. But interestingly, they included this timeline, which shows he started out on the right. He wasn't radicalized to the right. In fact, it shows over time he became left wing with the. Night, uh, Fat Cack Boy. Oh, and by the way, I want to, uh, before you go, Fat Cack Boy, I want to thank you for really helping be one of the ones to uh, push me to 500 subs. You've done tremendous work. Unbelievable. No one does a uh, promotion like Fat Cack Boy. So, 07 to you. Um, Josh Rogers in the chat goes, uh, everyone, everyone was actually gay. 2020, coming soon. Well, uh, Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Johnny. What you what you have, what you have to understand, John Eric Hayda, is, um, Owen Benjamin is so gay. Owen 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 Bendoverman is so gay that he makes Tim Pool look straight. And he makes a lot of other gay guys, you know, who are just like normal, look straight. And yet he claims to be straight. Intellectual dark web being the first step in becoming left wing. 
Why would the New York Times frame it, inver- uh, frame it in the inverse? Brett Weinstein tweeted, amazing. New York Times sees one man's YouTube history as Sunday front page above the fold material, as if nothing happened anywhere on earth this week. In their story, the New York Times accidentally admits that far from being the gateway to the alt-right, intellectual dark web discussions rescue people from it. The reason I bring this up, there is a war. It's beginning. It's getting worse. Let me show you more, more evidence. I can tell you exactly why we are starting to see this. Actually, I can tell you my opinion as to why I believe we're starting to see this and some strange questionable behaviors surrounding these hit pieces. Now, I've gone over this to great detail in the past several videos, but I believe it's important to highlight again, specifically to highlight how the initial narrative is that extremists and bigots are radicalizing young men for profit, the making of a YouTube radical, and they show you these figures. Yet, in reality, the timeline they post in the article shows the inverse. They lied on their front page story. Why? I believe I know why. Take a look at this story that's been going around. Another hit piece from the New York Times against Google in just this, the past couple days? Why so much hit? Why, why, so, why so many smears, New York Times? There were three smears against, the New York, uh, against YouTube from the New York Times in one day. There was a, a, a story that was published that was quite literally just a Slack, I believe it was a Slack message between two personalities about how YouTube doesn't, doesn't enforce its rules properly, something like that. There was a, another piece, which is a write-up on the same thing, three times in one day. And then we see this from the New York Times. Google made $4.7 billion from the news industry in 2018, study says. Now, again, let's be very, very clear. There is no grand conspiracy, okay? This is the important part and the biggest thing to stress. There are not people behind... Uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to disagree with you, uh, Tim. That's where I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, also, the reason why the New York Times writes so many articles, like, they're not even, like, smear pieces against Google, I don't think... The thing with the New York Times is they're so bored that they have they're so bored and they have no, you know, actual news to report that they always have to make stuff up. So much like HuffPo, they'll just like take whatever nonchalant thing is going on, like Slack messages, and then make it news, and then turn turn it into a big frenzy twirling their mustaches, planning how to destroy YouTube and Google and hurt YouTubers and creators. It's just... Well, they're not wanting to destroy YouTube and Google, but they are wanting to destroy the, the, the smaller creators, Tim. I'll get to that in a sec. Dominoes falling over. This system is entirely predictable. I said this was going to happen because... Out of sight, out of mind, and I can only imagine the inverse would be true. When the only thing these journalists hear about all day is how they're losing views, they're laying people off, their salaries are collapsing, the Vox Union walked out, they're not getting paid enough, and us here on YouTube are doing better and better every day, who do you think they'll be angry at? So no, they're not going to meetings and and planning what to do, but their minds are all falling into the same place as they lose their job. Why aren't they going to to meetings and planning this? I mean, I get that you don't want to get conspiratorial, Tim, but believe me, I, I do believe that some of these 
media journalist outlets are, you know, planning meetings on how to get rid of independent YouTube content creators. Why can't that be happening? I, I bet it is happening in reality. Uh, obviously, you're not saying it because you have no way of proving it, and I understand and I can respect that, Tim. But it's definitely happening. This story emerges. Google made nearly $5 billion from the news industry, study says. Who cares? It's called the future. It's called technology. Why are they angry? Well, let me show you. Quote. Uh, uh, so this is not a, it's not a direct quote. Again, the New York Times is bored, so they're just making... Uh, they're just making... Uh, headlines out of nothing. The journalists who create that content deserve a cut of that $4.7 billion, said David Chevern, the president and chief executive of the Alliance, which represents more than 2,000 newspapers across the country, including the New York Times. Can you see it now? A statement from someone who represents the New York Times saying, we deserve a cut of that money, Google. The money is ours. Does, Google, does YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, does the New York Times deserve a cut of that money? No, of course not. Absolutely not. The information economy has changed. It used to be that back in the day, to publish a statement, you needed a platform. You needed, you needed one of these, these companies, the newspapers. And the newspapers were very, very important for the local markets. And I do lament their demise, but times change. And the correct response should be, we need to innovate and figure out how to solve this problem. Instead, they do what most industries do. It's like Netflix and Blockbuster. You had an opportunity to get on board. New York Times, you could absolutely have your individual journalists set up YouTube channels and do what we do. Instead, they aim to take us down. Why? Because they don't know how to do what we do. They're relics of yesterday, and they're going to lose their jobs, and there are problems with this system. It is bad that journalists lose their jobs. Unfortunately, the emotional response is entirely predictable. They say, 4.7 billion. It's more than the combined ticket sales of the last two Avengers movies. It's more than what virtually any professional sports team is worth, and it's the amount that Google made from the work of news publishers in 2018 via search and Google News, according to a study to be released on Monday by the News Media Alliance. Excuse me. The journalist. So wait, wait, wait. So they're not meeting, yet there's a big media alliance group. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, this video is like 10 minutes. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Uh, but here's what I will say. Uh, now that this segment is, uh, now I'm not playing Tim Pool. So Tim Pool is not completely wrong here. He gets a lot of it. And I think this video overall is once again, very good for like, at least introducing your, uh, I guess your uh, lower average information friend on this topic. Now, in 2020, 
one of the one of the things I really feel that President Trump has kind of let us down on is free speech and big tech and big social media. Not just Trump, but Congress. Uh, I was really excited when Mark Zuckerberg got hauled before, you know, Congress and Ted Cruz asked him a whole bunch of questions. But, um, you know, all that happened was Mark Zuckerberg got grilled and then nothing happened. All Trump, all Trump has been saying for months and months and months, is, uh, well, we're gonna watch the big socials, and if they do, you know, any more bad stuff, then we're we're gonna we're gonna keep keep an eye on you. Now, you know, I mean, they're already acting. They're, I mean, forget like, forget extreme channels. I'm talking like channels like mine or like ROTC or like John Eric Hayes channel who just uh, either do clips or do like news and commentary. They're getting demonetized now. It's uh, like you understand that the, the, that the big channels, Mr. President on YouTube, like the the big the big players are not going to be the ones hurt by this. It's the smaller time, the truly independent guys who are go and gals who are going to get hurt hurt by this. Um Facebook and Twitter and YouTube need to decide whether or not they're going to be a publisher or a, or just, you know, a utility. They need to decide one or the other, but they can't be both. And so, I think that what Trump needs to do, and Tulsi Gabbard has actually talked about this, this is one of the reasons I actually like Tulsi Gabbard. She's talked about breaking up the, uh, the big social media platforms. Trust busting, just like uh, you know Teddy Roosevelt did with Big Stolen, Big uh, with U.S. Stolen, Carnegie, and all of those cats. Um, yeah. Well, it, I I know. Okay, Johnny, I know. I know it doesn't hurt you because you're not making your but. E okay, even if, even if you're not making a living off YouTube, Johnny, your videos should still be up, especially when you're not doing anything egregious. I mean, and here's the other thing. You know, there are... Revenge of the Sis, uh, say what you will about them. You might not find their content tasteful, but it's an internet comedy show and they're, they're pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty, like, upfront about that. 
uh, John Eric Hade is merely playing clips of another YouTuber in his own words, basically bearing himself, you know, self with his own stupidity. And uh, I'm just doing like news and commentary, and then occasionally when I have to, I'll go after Owen or whichever idiot I think poses like a threat to the conservative movement. But I mean, like I'm pretty milquetoast. I'm not even that edgy at all, and yet like it's channels like mine and channels like John Arcade that are like a big threat to YouTube. Meanwhile, Owen ha really hasn't been touched by YouTube all that much, and he says stuff that is really egregious. Really egregious. Like, stuff that would get me banned in, like, 20 seconds if I said... If I said one-eighth of the stuff that Owen says on stream every day, my channel would not only be demonetized, it would probably be gone from YouTube. I would probably be IP banned from YouTube and not allowed on the platform, period, if I said half the stuff that Owen said. And why isn't, why isn't he off YouTube? I'm not saying that he necessarily should, but it's weird that he's not. Um, so they seem to be very, very, very selective on who they go after, YouTube does. That's all I'm saying. And it just doesn't make sense. So. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I have on my, uh, you know, agenda. That was almost two hours. Uh... And I did not need to, I did not need to, uh, read fan mail for four hours, or look at the chat for material for, for two hours. I just did almost, like, a whole two hours. Well, to be fair, one hour and 38 minutes, but, but still, that's content that I came up with off the top of my brain. Uh, with just the help of a few videos. So, uh, I think it was a good show. I want to, I want to, uh, I, let me, let me get to those Streamlabs donations. Uh, obviously I can't play them for you guys. Because Streamlabs is not available on the Mac, but let me... Let me, uh, let me get to those donations, so, I will open up Streamlabs here in the tab, so, Uh, well, okay, okay, Josh Rogers, uh, 07 to you. I hope you didn't 
I hope you didn't donate anything and that you're going to bed now because I'm about, I'm about ready to read donations. Um, so, uh, let's so let's check and see who who donated. Okay, uh, the moon donated, uh, donated five dollars two hours ago, saying, uh, have a good show, Sammy, and then the ghost of Alan Powell also donated, uh, a few hours ago, actually, saying 500 pennies for 500 subs, thank you, Alan Powell. Uh, Fat Cake Boy also donated five dollars a, a few hours ago. Uh, I uh, I assume that was from the stream from early early this morning, saying congrats on getting five hundred subs. Here have five hundred cents. Everyone in the chat, do the same. Well, thank you, uh, Fat Cake Boy, and thank you, Moon, uh, and thank you, Alan Hell. Um, so. Obviously not everyone in the chat did donate, but you know what? If you can't donate, at least like, share, and, uh, you know, subscribe to the stream. Uh, folks, I want to thank you so very much for uh, tuning in into the program. And I will be back uh, tomorrow, technically, for the Whitfield Report uh, Saturday edition, starting at 10 p.m. And, uh right here on youtube.com forward slash Whitfield Report and right here on the Whitfield Report audio podcast if you're listening that way. Uh, good night. God bless. God save this great nation and God freedom legacy in that order. 07 to you all.